we market Docusaurus as a documentation static site generator, but in practice, it's more than that. It's more like a generic framework like Gatsby on which we provide plugins that are uh, for content-centric websites. So for example, we have a docs plugin, we have a page plugin for the landing pages, and we have a blog plugin for creating a, a blog. But in the end, you are free to create your own plugin. We don't support server-side rendering. We are limited to uh, static site generation. But in the end, you can uh, build your own uh, plugin to read the markdown files on the file system and decide what to do with them. And maybe uh, you don't even have to, to create a plugin. Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket. Today, we're very fortunate to have Sebastian Lorber on with us. Welcome to the podcast, Sebastian. Thank you, Bo. Uh, so, Sebastian, you've been you've been a jack of all trades for most of your life. And before this podcast, I was kind of saying, can I introduce you? You know, in the context of React, because you've been a CTO, you've been creating this, you know, Docosaurus website and, and framework that we're going to be talking about today to produce beautiful documentation. Um, but it sounds like you've focused a lot in the React space recently and in React Native, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I've been um, started my career as a uh, backend developer using uh, Java and Scala and things like that. And uh, I didn't really like uh, JavaScript in the beginning, but maybe something like eight years ago when there was uh, the ES6 version of uh, JavaScript uh, being uh, standardized, I started to like it. And um, as I was a functional programmer, I quickly uh, became attracted uh, to with React because uh, uh, someone in the Closure Script uh, community, I think the, the creator of uh, Closure Script, demonstrated that React was a really great framework for functional programmers. As you know, the, the model of um, UI is the is a function of the, the state. So this uh, this got me into React, and uh, since then I uh, I became a front end developer, and and I almost don't do back end uh, development anymore now. Complete shift, right? You went from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah, if you asked me maybe 10 years ago, I wouldn't have uh, bet that I, I would become a front-end developer because I, I really disliked JavaScript, actually. I think that's a pretty common reaction that a lot of back-end heavy people have when they see JavaScript. Uh, the uh, paradigms and disorganization can throw a lot of people for a loop at first until you learn how to tackle the beast. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about Docosaurus, which I'm very excited about personally to pick your brain because I've probably used Docosaurus at every single company I've worked at. Yeah. Up <laughs> yeah. And it's been an immense help, not only to you know our teams, but to people who are outside of our teams uh, because it's easy to navigate and easy to change. So short, be before we get too into the weeds, Docosaurus is, in, in my eyes, it's a documentation and a framework, right, to write really approachable pages that look really nice <laughs> really quickly. Um, I would love for you to define it, though, uh, from your perspective as the creator. Um, first, I'm not the, the creator of Docusaurus. It's a meta open source project. Uh, somehow it's uh, Facebook. Um, and it was started maybe like uh, five years ago uh, when uh, Meta had a lot of uh, open source projects and they wanted to document all of them. 
uh, they started to copy paste a Jekyll template over and over again, but it was not very scalable. So they decided to create a tool that solved their own pain so that they can just focus on the content and, uh, and have a beautiful documentation website. And all this, all their documentation websites would be able to use the same stack that would uh, stay in sync over time. You just have to upgrade uh, uh, NPM package version, and then uh, all your documentations are upgraded. So the the idea of Docusaurus initially is that you really want to focus on your content. You just write Markdown files, and then there is a, a tool on top of that that will uh, take all your files and build a, a beautiful uh, static website. So the first version of Docusaurus one um, delivered on that promise, and you you have probably seen some. Uh, some sites using Docusaurus One. There are still a few sites using Docusaurus One today. For example, uh, in the GS ecosystem, there is Babel and Prettier, for example, which are still using the, the first version. Um, but the thing is, the, the first version was not very customizable. So um, the, the version two project started uh, in uh, maybe uh, 2018, and um, it was a long, uh, it was a long road because uh, we were in alphas and betas for like four years, and we just released the, the, the second version as stable. But the the idea of this second version is that it is much more modular, and um, you can really customize the UI, and you can create plugins and things like that. So, the first version of the Cusorus was focus on your content. You create Markdown files, and you have a beautiful website. The second version of the Cusorus is the same. But instead, you can really customize a lot of things. You can really build a, a custom documentation. And if you look, uh, if you compare the documentation version one sites with version two, you, you can see that uh, most version one sites will all look quite the same. Maybe the colors change a bit. But if you look at the Docusaurus two sites, you will see that they are quite different. At least if the authors are willing to, to customize them, you can uh, create a very different experiences. Enjoying the podcast? Consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes. What's one experience that people can create, uh, namely with the second version of Docasaurus, that stands out to you as unique in your mind? Actually, uh, we we market Docasaurus as a as a documentation uh, static site generator, but in practice, it's more than that. It's more like a generic framework like Gatsby, on which we provide plugins that are uh, four content-centric websites. So for example, we have a docs plugin, we have a page plugin for the landing pages, and we have a blog plugin for creating a, a blog. But in the end, you are free to create your own plugin. For example, if you want to create a digital garden or a, a second brain or whatever you want, you, you should be able to do this with Docusaurus because it's a flexible framework like Gatsby and XGS. We don't support server-side rendering. We are limited to uh, static site generation. But in the end, you can uh, build your own uh, plugin to, to create uh, the, the, to read the markdown files on the file system and decide what to do with them. And maybe uh, you don't even have to, to create a plugin that is uh, reading markdown files. You can also try to integrate with a CMS or generate uh, documentation from uh, an open API chip uh, scheme or, or something like that so that you have a, uh, uh, an API documentation or in your documentation. It's almost like I feel 
I feel as if I'm getting the pluggable widgets of Notion, but I have complete control. Something like plugging into a CMS for my documentation is something I would turn to Notion for historically because you can plug into the database. But here you're saying we can write plugins and dynamically have them update and um, when the user visits. Um, I, I don't use Notion much, so I'm not sure exactly to, to understand what you mean. <laughs> but uh, okay, um, yeah, the, the, yeah. This is really you can uh, you can create your own custom plugins, and there are users that are creating uh, quite interesting plugins. For example, there is a plugin to integrate uh, Redoc, which is uh, the um, Redoc is a tool uh, to integrate uh, an, an open API client. In your documentation, so you can keep the Docusaurus layout, for example, but have uh, a real uh, functioning API client inside your documentation that you can uh, that users can interact with. There are also users that are documenting, for example, if you have a TypeScript project, you can use uh, I think it's called a Type Doc, something like that, and you can, for example, uh, generate documentation based on uh, TypeScript type definitions. And then uh, some uh, some uh, developers are creating plugins to to uh, generate all this documentation inside a Docusaurus site. Uh, so you you have the Docusaurus layout, but then you have the the, the type doc documentation inside Docusaurus. And if you want, you can customize the Docusaurus layout. So in the end, you you are free to customize the content and also the the main layout that you that we provide for free. You are not limited to to what we build. You can actually provide your own layout if you want. Would you almost say this is a highly opinionated web framework, <laughs> a static web framework that is just highly geared towards this? Yeah, yeah. This is exactly this. This is Gatsby, but we have like three or four official plugins, and we don't have a GraphQL data layer because we thought it was a bit complex, and I think the, the community agrees that uh, right. we don't necessarily want uh, a GraphQL data layer in the Docusaurus because it complicates a bit things. But at the same time, Gatsby is able to, to do something that we currently don't do. For example, if you want to display the, the top three blog posts of your Docusaurus blog on the landing page, currently it's not automated. You can't query your your data your blog data from your home page and uh, and get this data so easily so um, we will probably have to to create a data layer at some point but for now we don't have it but like you said uh, just recently if you really wanted to you could maybe have some plugin that reads the markdown file and does some crazy stuff if you really wanted to right mm. okay but the, the the idea is that we build most of the most popular uh, things that the community needs so that you don't really have to build these things. But in the end, if you are a power user, you can create integrations. For example, uh, um, it's not possible for, for us to provide an integration with everything. So the plugin system permits you to, to fill the gaps and uh, build your own uh, niche things if you want. Even if you have some proprietary uh, CMS or something like that, you can uh, try to integrate with it uh, with your own code. So all these features sound really great. Um, something that I would want if I was maybe making an API or starting a new product at a company. But if you were maybe on a personal project, like is Docusource in your eyes something that is low-hanging? It, it's easy enough that no matter what project you're working on, it might be a good idea to start with that. Or 
It's maybe like once you're once you're off of one README file, sure, go make it. Uh, actually, the the override is very low. It's the, it's a bit of the point. Um, we you can just, for example, have one Markdown file on which you put everything if you want. But uh, I think it's better to have it on Docusaurus because you can have a syntax highlighting on code blocks and a few interesting features like that and a layout around your content that you don't have on uh, GitHub, for example. So even if you just have one Markdown file, you should be able to to display it inside the users. Uh, maybe in less than a few a few minutes, you will get it working. Uh, the thing is, for some people, it's not so easy because they are not front-end developers. In the end, you have to install Node.js and npm and things like that, and be able to to modify a config file that is uh, currently in in JS. So if you are not able to configure a config file in JS. Maybe uh, if you are a Python developer, for example, uh, there, are another, there are other projects like mkdocs that are in Python and using YAML config file. Some people would find this simpler to get started because if you are a Python developer, of course, you, you are more used to, to using uh, uh, Python packages and things like that. But otherwise, if you are a front-end developer, it should be very straightforward to start. And I think it's um, it's perfectly fine to to start with Docusaurus, even if you have like two or three pages of documentation. Uh, you just have to to put the Markdown files in a folder, and then everything will work out of the box. Uh, you, for example, if there are three files in your docs folder, you will have a sidebar with the three documentations being uh, available there. And if you want to change the order of the items in the sidebar, you just have to add uh, some front matter, which is the metadata at the top of the, the Markdown file, and, and you will be able to, to change the position of the items this way. We offer more advanced things, but this is the, the, the easiest way to get started. And uh, also, we saw we see a lot of uh, little open source projects that uh, that that are. Um, I mean, the author want a documentation website, but he's not willing to to create uh, something custom from scratch. And they adopt Docusaurus, and uh, it goes very fast to get uh, documentation online. And also, we see a lot of uh, developers using Docusaurus as a portfolio because we have a doc uh, a blog feature. You can create a landing page and a blog quite easily and have uh, quite interesting features. For example, if you want to have a guest on your blog post, you can uh, co-author the blog post with another person. You can have a... Oh, wow. Yeah, this is, if you look, at, for example, at the React Native website, um, they requested... Which website? One more time. The React Native website. React Native, okay, thank um, you. Yeah, the React Native website is using the Cusurus too. So they wanted, uh, be because there are a lot of uh, meta developers working on React Native, they wanted that uh, when they release a major update on uh, on the blog post, um, they can add multiple authors because it's normal that uh, everyone is credited for the for the work that they did. So we added this feature, which permits to, to have um, multiple authors on a single blog post. And uh, there are multiple things. For example, you have a, a RSS feed for free. You have a sitemap and good SEO and things like that. So if you are um, a, a developer looking for a blog, you can get started with Docusaurus very easily. And uh, you will have uh, the ability to also create your uh, landing pages like uh, uh, your about page or your home page and things like that. It's quite easy to, to get started. 
Even landing pages can be created with Markdown. So if you just have a, a page folder and you just have to create some files there and, and they will be available uh, automatically. It, that's very exciting for me because I feel like in all the times I've used Docasaurus, it's always as a Markdown folder and not as a uh, a website. I guess the, my entire opinion of Docasaurus has changed and maybe some other people feel the same way. Is it's a documentation website. Like That's what it has always felt like to me. But with Docasaurus too, it's like it's a Google Docs, <laughs> essentially. Like It's a, any document. You can make whatever you want here and more. Uh, th this is something to publish content online based on Markdown mostly, but uh, you can also... Uh... Uh, create a React landing page if you want uh, more power. And uh, yeah, we, we have, for example, we have a, a showcase where we have maybe 300 sites now. And there are maybe like uh, uh, 20 examples of uh, developers creating their portfolio with the Quizorus. And I think it's quite, uh, quite interesting because they all look quite different. You can see that um, you can, it's easy to get started, but you can still create something that uh, that is uh, custom enough so that you, your portfolio doesn't look like uh, the, the one of another developer. It's Emily again, producer for PodRocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of PodRocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about? Edge computing? Weird little component libraries? How to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out? I don't know. And that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great. Whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. So you're saying it's pretty easy to get started, like even if you just have one markdown file. If somebody's listening to us talk right now and they've never used Docasaurus, where do they go? And maybe what are the first like few steps? Um, I think the, a good first step is to go to docusaurus.new. We have a domain where you you just uh, go to docusaurus.new. It opens a sandbox. You have the choice between code sandbox and stackbliss, which are online uh, playgrounds. And then uh, the a, a doc, a default docusaurus template will start for you, and you you will be able to play. For example, you can create a markdown file in the docs folder and you will see what uh, how the Cusorus uh, handles this and you will see that uh, the new doc will automatically appear in the sidebar and then you just uh, can write the markdown content and and the content will auto-reload uh, in your browser immediately so that's like three steps there you go that's, that's it yeah um i took care of uh, making the the tutorial very simple so Normally, if you have five minutes, you can understand the value proposition of the Cusorus. So they are like, a, it's a step-by-step -step tutorial. And if you open the, the playground with the Cusorus new, uh, you will actually have the tutorial embedded inside your the, the playground because the, 
the background displays the tutorial. So you just have to follow what you, you what you see on the screen, and and in five minutes you understand how it works. That I mean, that's the most promising intro I've heard for a while in a open in an open source framework. So uh, it's it's the duty now of everybody listening. We should go check it out and, and see what's happening over there. Um, if we don't want to use Docosaurus, um, maybe people are interested in contributing and learning a little bit more about the direction. Uh, what's next in your mind? Uh, is the next mountain to climb for Docosaurus? Um, I think there are things that we don't do so well currently. Um, as we are a small team, it's hard to keep up with the, all the innovations in the, the, the JavaScript ecosystem. For example, you see that uh, there are funded companies that work on Next.js, Remix, and Gatsby, and things like that. The Cusorus is uh, much smaller, but um, it's quite attractive so that there are a lot of users already using the Cusorus today. But we are a small team and it's hard to, to catch up with uh, these large teams on things like performance and using uh, Rust tooling to, to improve the build times and things like that. So for now, the Cusorus is probably the most featured to create a documentation website and people are satisfied, but we are not so great on on the build times and things like that. It's not the, the fastest tool uh, out there, and I think we, we should uh, try to improve that over time. So a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit from for people who are familiar with those areas who can maybe come in and work on it. Are there open issues right now for these? Um, the, these things are not so easy, so I don't think uh, if you are an, an, a new external contributor, uh, it's what you should work on, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we always have some easy issues that we can get delegate for contributors that are looking to, to contribute. And, um, some architectural, um, design decisions and things like that, it's hard to delegate because, uh, it will have uh, an impact for the, for the following year. So I prefer to, to work on this myself. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so in, in terms of the product, the not the build times and, and things like this. Do you do you think the product suite is sort of finalized for what Dogosaurus is offering, or are you still brainstorming? Um, I, I think we we are happy with the value proposition and the ado the adoption of the Cusaurus two uh, right now, uh, but we still see some limits. For example, um, if you have a CMS, uh, we don't provide any easy way to integrate with a CMS, so. The most straightforward way to integrate with a CMS would be to download Markdown files from your CMS, write them to the file system, and then have the Cusorus read the files on the file system. This is not ideal because you have to, to create intermediate Markdown files and things like that. So we are not so great with the CMS integration side for now, unless you are using a Git-based uh, CMS because the files will be on Git. So there is one big idea that we'd like to do is uh, as we can't compete with uh, the other static site generators that have uh, large teams working on, on the infrastructure, um, we would like to see if it's possible, for example, to, to build Docusaurus, the same features, but on top of an existing static site generator, so that we can uh, leverage the, the work of others and maybe improve the build times and things like that, so that... Uh, uh, it's possible that we, we will try to make the Docusaurus uh, static site generator agnostic so that maybe we can run Docusaurus on top of Next.js, maybe on top of Remix, maybe on top of Gatsby and, and uh, creating some kind of portable documentation tool. 
where we would just focus on creating the plugins and the, the sensible defaults that makes it easy to create a documentation website, but maybe a bit less focus on the infrastructure because it takes a lot of time and we are too small to 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 catch up with the large teams. Why reinvent the wheel if if they have a whole paid team yeah. making this wheel? <laughs> yeah. Um and I, I guess last, there's more features we could get into with Docasaurus. I mean, there's things that we didn't really touch on, like uh, search. Um, I mean, that's that's big. <laughs> you, usually servers are involved with search, and the fact that it's on a static site is kind of cool. Um, but I think some people listening, they might be saying, okay, I'm on Docasaurus 1, because that's what we've used forever, and I want these things. How do we come to version 2? Is that a complex process? And Actually, it really depends on how much you customized your documentation website. We have um, we have a, a migration key so that you can uh, quite easily upgrade your config and uh, a few things. But it's hard to automate the, the full process. Uh, but you generally you don't have to update a lot of things unless you have customized a lot your your version one site with a lot of CSS. You will have to find a way to to reproduce your um, your old design if you want to keep it at, as it was before, which is maybe not something that you want. Uh, it really depends on uh, on what's your your goal. But uh, no, I think the version one websites can uh, migrate to version two quite easily. There are some challenges. For example, if you have some um, the documentation was versioned with a lot of versions, or if you have uh, internationalization, for example, if, uh, if you supported multiple languages, there are some uh, challenges if you have a, a complex site like this. For example, uh, I did the migration from uh, version 1 to version 2 of uh, two important websites at, at Meta. There was Jest, which was uh, version 1. Uh, it was uh, it was translated, so there are a lot of languages that I had to, to ensure that we don't lose the translations during this process. And the React Native website had a lot of versions, so we were able to to migrate these two sites from version one to version two, um, and documented the process so that others can uh, can do the same. Okay, so it really depends case to case, and but the config for the most part is automatic because it's just a config. Okay, yeah. okay. Gotcha. If you don't if you don't have uh, versions and uh, translations, then uh, it should be quite easy. Actually, that's another thing. I was, I was, this was gonna pass my mind, and I'm glad you just brought up that word, which is versions. Um, and this is something that Docasaurus has somewhat of a, a helping hand with. So people should use versions in their documentation, right? That's kind of the message going forth with here. Um, how does Docasaurus help people uh, put that forward? Um, I think Docasaurus has a different approach to what uh, the what people are used to, because uh, I think most people are used to having one Git branch per version. For example, if you have a, 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 ver a project in version one and version two, you will have uh, one Git branch for, for each version. Uh, Docusaurus will handle things differently. Uh, your documentation for both versions will be on the same branch by default. You can still decide if you want to have multiple documentation branch if you want. But by default, you will have, for example, the main Git branch will hold the, the documentation for version one and version two at the same time. And um, when you work on version three, for example, if you are ready to release it, uh, you will publish the major version of version three. And 
at that time, we provide a CLI command that you will run, which will create a snapshot of your version free uh, of your uh, current documentation. We call this the current documentation, which is the one uh, you are you are editing continuously, and it will create a snapshot of, of this current documentation and archive it in a um, in a version free folder, in which you will be able to 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 change things that are only relevant for version three. But for example, if you start to work on version four, uh, you you will be able to to edit the version four documentation that is the upcoming version, and it and you will have the folder version three for the for for the version three documentation. So you will have two documentation sets to maintain on the same branch. I think it's um, it's interesting because, for example, if you have a, a feature that you that you merge on uh, on your main branch, for example, you will be able to create the documentation and uh, to backport the documentation on all the all the documentation versions with a single pull request. For example, if you want to implement something in version three, but uh, you want to backport the feature in version two and version one, you will be able to submit just one pull request and update uh, the three version documentations at the same time. So I think uh, it uh, it has some uh, advantage for backporting things. And also, uh, Docusaurus will take all your versions and build a single single page application for all the versions. So for example, if you look at the Docusaurus website, by default, there is often a, a drop-down at the top to select the version you want to, to browse the project in. And if you switch from one version to another, you are still on the same single page application. You are not... Um, going to another domain or something like that and there is no full page reload so um, this allows us to to make the switch from one version to another quite fast and also to build some features like um, a, a banner that will say for example if you are on version 2 and the the current the latest the latest version is version 3 you will be able to show a banner that says you are not on the latest version. You should try to to browse the version three version or something like that, because um, you want uh, people to to make sure that they are browsing the the documentation of the latest version that you published. Right, I'm definitely familiar with the documentation version drop down uh, on these things. I remember seeing that. Um, so, Sebastian, if uh, people want to find you. And learn more about what you're working on with Docasaurus. Where can they follow you? Um, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm Sebastian Lober uh, at Sebastian Lober, and also I have a, a weekly React newsletter called This Week in React. Uh, this is uh, where I generally share personal updates on Docasaurus when there is anything significant uh, that I want to to tell uh, the world about. And where is that newsletter distributed? Uh, this week in React.com. It's a it's a curation newsletter, so I send a weekly email with the best uh, the best news of the React ecosystem. That that sounds pretty good. Okay, awesome. Uh, so okay, we got the Twitter, we got the newsletter, and uh, if people want to check out Docasaurus, is docasaurus.new is that the website you mentioned earlier? Uh, no, it's docusaurus.io. Docusaurus.new is the is the playground so that you can uh, get started in five minutes uh, online without installing anything. And the main website is .io? 
Okay, awesome. Uh, well, Sebastian, thank you for your time coming on. Hopefully some people will try out Docasaurus too and then maybe get interested and help support some of these uh, upcoming features that you're, improvements you're talking about. Um, but yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Thanks for sharing about the newsletter too. I'm sure some people will like to subscribe to this. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you around. Thank you. Bye. This is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.